Dominic Lawton can be wild. Welcome to the Bad Movie Cult. Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Bad Movie Cult podcast. It's a podcast where every week we choose a new film then literally grab you by the hand and walk you through the whole goddamn thing. Just going to have the literally klaxon there. We do not literally grab you by the hand at all. Continue. By the end of the episode, it's up to me and Ken to decide, is this film so bad it deserves induction into the bad movie cult, or is it free to fight another day? Wow. That's a new, that's a new one, isn't it? Is this because we keep getting attacked? <laughs> nope. <laughs> You've just heard him then. Let me introduce you to my co-host. It's Mr. Kenneth B. Wild. Hello. Bye. <laughs> and this week, for our perusal, is the 1981 Lucio Fulci film. Lucio fucking Fulci on this Here podcast. Here he is. Here he is. It's about time. It's The House by the Cemetery. Stephen, where are you? Please answer me. In this house, what you don't know will hurt you. <laughs> it was to be a getaway dream. It's becoming a runaway nightmare. He has been awaiting the arrival of his new guests. One by one, they are disappearing. One by bloody one. When you move to this house, before you get locked in, read the fine print. Mommy, hurry! You may have just mortgaged your life. Due to the graphic nature of this film, no one under 18 will be admitted. House! By the cemetery. This has an IMDb rating of 6.1 out of 10. Holy shit balls. That's high for this podcast. It is, yeah. It's high for a Fulci. I'm get- well, I don't know, actually. You get some Fulci fanboys, don't you? Oh, God, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. You're yeah, bro- I think this will probably upset a few of them. So good, good use of the disclaimer at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> We've got a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 45%. Mm. A bit harsh. Mm. Yeah, I still don't understand that shit, so... And a shudder rating mm-hmm. of three out of five skulls. What the hell is that? <laughs> shudder. Shudder. What, where do you rate them? How do you, do you go on their website and rate films? Yeah, yeah. Really? They've got their own film they got their own library little, now, have they? Little skull rating. Have they? 
They've got a little database of their own. Yeah. Holy guacamole. As we said, directed by Lucio Fulci, some of his most notable films include the Gates of Hell trilogy, which this is one of. The rest of them in that trilogy is The City of the Living Dead from 1980 and The Beyond from 1981. Some other notable works, Ken, you may have seen them, maybe you haven't. Well, let's have a look, shall we? What are they? You got one on top of the other, which was one of your films. Yeah, I was in that one. (laughs) Yeah, also known as Perversion Story. (laughs) Yeah, it was, yeah. That was the uh, behind the scenes featurette. (laughs) (laughs) A lizard in a woman's skin. Yeah, good one, that. Don't Torture a Duckling, his sort of breakout film. Yeah, I've got that as well. White Fang. White Fang? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) The Psychic, or Seven Notes in Black. Mm -hmm. Zombie, or Zombie (laughs) 2. Or Or Zombie Flesh Eaters. Yeah, or... Whatever else they decided yeah, to mark. Oh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, like remake three. Uh, three yes, uh, that's eight, the one. Eighteen corpses on a boat. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I made that one up, but it's a good name. Uh, the New York Ripper. Yeah, got that one. Murder Rock, <laughs> and a cat in the brain. I've got that as well. Yeah, I've got quite a few actually. Now that you now you've reeled them off, I've got quite a few in my full cheese. Maybe I'm oh no, I'm one of the full cheese fanboys. I've just uh, mocked. Yeah, well, researching this this film, I actually was ticking them. I was like, I've seen more full than I actually thought I yeah. had. So there we go. Yeah, I, I own them. Yeah, well done me. Oh, nice. I recently gave away one of my copies of the House by the Cemetery on Blu-ray. Really? Yeah. How come? Because I've got another one. Oh, nice. Somebody said, oh, I, I can't believe it. I've been trying to get that for ages, and you've got two. I was like, well, you can have one then. Sorted. Brilliant. Job done. He just gives and gives. That's the problem with this man That's here. That's me. That's me. That's what I like to do. Owing to his brand of expressive visuals and unconventional storytelling, Lucio Fulci has been called the poet of the macabre. <laughs> really? Surely that said Allan Poe. Well, he by... literally wrote poetry about macabre sus- yeah. subjects. He's been called it by genre critics and scholars, whilst his high level of graphic violence present in many of his films also earned in the nickname The Godfather of Gore. That's the name, I think. But that's also Herschel uh, Lewis, isn't it? He's, Herschel he's, Gordon Lewis, yeah, yeah. he's also known as that. He did. He created the splatter subculture of horror films. So this is very confusing, isn't it? I'm going to have to cover a Herschel Gordon Lewis film. Some of them are fucking awful. There they are, yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your rank amongst Italian horror directors for you, Ken? Obviously, you've got like Mario Bava's, like, you know, the master of these sort of bloody cinematic effects. Is, he, is, is this a nickname that you're giving? The, the master of the macabre. Yes, that's what I'm calling him. <laughs> Mario Bava. Yeah. And of course, uh, Lamberto. Who, yeah. Who cracked on afterwards, didn't he? Yeah, he did Demons. Yeah, he did some good stuff. Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, Blade? Uh, Blade in the Dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's fun. I've yeah. That. I've got that as well. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Barber sort of um, introduced us to the Giallo film, really. Introduced the world to Giallo. Um, some would say slasher films. Well, yeah. With his, with his wasn't ba- it, the Bay slasher. of Blood. Yeah. The Bay of Blood. Uh, I've got that as well. Bloody hell. I'm, I'm Italian horror film mad at me yeah. over here. I'm a big Barber. I really like Barber. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, Dario Argento, arguably Italy's most artistic horror filmmaker. Uh, yes. What was it? Um... Violence as art, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. his his stuff's described. He's all Be- like, beautiful brutality. Is how that's I, a nice, I like yeah. to refer to it as. I oh, watched oh. his new one actually. Uh, oh, dark, dark sunglasses. Dark, just just dark glasses. It's oh yeah, that's a ZZ that's a Top song, fucking yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was singing it every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good as well. Mm. I was hoping it would still be quite nasty. It's, it's on, on Shudder. It's, it's on Shudder. Yeah, yeah, it just came up. Um, 
Yeah, no one would think we'd be sponsored by those bastards. <laughs> oh, well, three skulls. 3.5. Yeah. You know, because we mentioned them a couple of times. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it, it's quite good. It is quite nasty as well. Yeah. Yeah. Argento's it, all like vivid colours, glinting blades, leather-gloved killers. Prostitutes. Yeah. He does love a prostitute, doesn't he? That's the rumour, yeah. <laughs> and he's got a... Is it his daughter, Axe, Asia? Uh, uh, she's in this one as well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good to see her back. Yeah. So where does he rank amongst those, Barv, uh, Argento and Fulci? Are you, are you uh, ranking them... Totally different to me. Yeah. They are totally different. They're just Italian horror film directors. That's if you, pretty if, much the only connection. If you so, so say if you saw a DVD of one of each, who are you reaching for? Um well, most recently I watched the Argento one, but I've obviously watched this recently as well for the, the podcast. Um and when I bought the Barber one I watched that the same day. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know whichever one's there, I guess. Non-committal from Kenneth, but what do you think? It's different. It depends what you want. What do you want? What the <laughs> hell do you guys want? <laughs> if you want gore and a film that's not Is that... that what you want, people? You want blood? You want us to bleed for this podcast? We do. Internally. Yeah. In our... Oh, no, that's just surviving, isn't it? That's just being alive. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. What do you guys think? Who are you rating? Do you prefer a bit of Barva? Do you prefer a lot of Argento? Or do you prefer loads of Fulci? <laughs> Let us know. The email address, badmoviecultgmail.com. I think you have a lot of fun with any of them, but for different reasons. You come away from Argento and you think, that was a good film. Mm. You come away from Fulci and think, oh, that was brilliant, that was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's the difference, I think. You don't you don't come away from Fulci and think, wow, how beautifully put together that was. Yes. Because <laughs> there's bits in all what of it. What a them. coherent plot. <laughs> Yeah, well, we only started this one yet, have we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, like Barber was suspenseful and everything, and he he did he did lots of like twists and like, yeah. diff- different plot lines going on. Argento does the same, whereas Fulci, I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. Ful- Fulci uses plot as a way to to get from one sort of special effect to the other. I think. Yeah, I like the fact that he's in some of them as well. Yes. He, like, he likes to just pop himself in the films as well, which I, I did like. Yes, more of that later. Mm. But for now, we have Catriona McCall as Lucy Boyle. She starred in all three of the Gates of Hell films and was asked to be in New York Ripper, but declined. Mm, that's that's, a, that's an odd watch, that one. Yes. Uh, McCall was hesitant to do City of the Living Dead because the script was badly written. And she said in an interview in 2011 that she called her agent to seek his advice... And he told her to take the film because nobody is going to see it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I I could be an agent. That sounds an easy job, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So in many ways he was right, but in many ways very wrong. Well, he's massively wrong that no one's seen it. Yeah. But he he was right in telling her to take the film because she originally didn't want to. Yeah, but you could say that about anything. He's got um, 50-50 on everything then, hasn't he? Yeah, well, there we go. Jesus Christ, an easy job. Uh, you got Paolo Malco as Dr. Norman Boyle. Mm-hmm. He was also in the New York Ripper as Dr. Paul Davis. Just doctors all the time, this man. Oh, yeah. And he was also in Escape from the Bronx. As Dr. Bronx. Dr. Vice President Hoffman. And of course, can't not mention him, Giovanni Frezza as mm. Bob Boyle. There he is. Little little Bob. Little Bobby. Little Bobby Boyle. Little Bob the Bastard Boyle. <laughs> yes. I've got the um, arrow blu-ray of this mm-hmm. and uh, you can watch it with an introduction from him from uh, bob yeah uh, he's older obviously oh 
And literally the only introduction he gives is, thanks for buying this, uh, and I apologise for my voice. It was dubbed over. This was not my real voice. And that's the whole introduction. <laughs> nice. And then the film starts. <laughs> They've got him on just to say sorry in advance of the film. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Which I thought was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. Just uh, to say sorry. Yeah, honestly, that's the whole point of his introduction. Yeah. He just says, this is this film. I'm in it. Sorry for my voice. Yeah. It's well, like, you should be sorry. Much. Yeah. Got it's beyond pl- his control. Yeah, well, I've got he pl- states that. Clearly states it. He cannot stress that enough <laughs> in his opening <laughs> Does he minute. pop up throughout the film? <laughs> Hi, Bob again, just to reiterate. He's, like he's in the bottom corner like the sign language woman. <laughs> <laughs> just, just with a sign that says sorry. <laughs> Particularly when he's screaming. Uh, got a anyway, plot for you, Ken. Go on then, have you? A New England home is terrorised by a series of murders and unbeknownst to a guest, or whilst unbeknownst to a guest... There's a gruesome secret hiding in the basement. Whoa. What a great setup for a film. Yeah. It's quite simple, isn't it? Got a few keywords for you. Mm-hmm. Mysterious man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that one. That was a song by Peter Andre. That was, yeah. <laughs> Insane man. That was his follow-up. Homicidal maniac. <laughs> yep. Psycho killer. Guess you say. <laughs> yeah, we'll just score that point. Stupid victims. Pretty much, yeah. Uh-huh. Carnage. Carnage, as I like to call it. Brutality. Yes. Bloodbath. Yeah. Not literal. Bat attack. <laughs> <laughs> that is literal. Yeah. Yeah. Bare breasts. <laughs> oh, yes. Woman on top. Oh, crikey. And pipe smoking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is not connected it's to one the previous two. <laughs> <laughs> You can smoke my pipe. <laughs> that was the tagline. <laughs> and speaking of taglines, I've got a few for you here, Ken. Oh, uh, go on then. Lucio Fulci turns up in your office and is like, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Kenneth. I'm a Lucio Fulci. Hang on a minute. Have I just had a meeting with Richard Dreyfus as well? Because I'd be confused as I hell. I think that is Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't think He's that's He's pretending Fulci. to be Fulci. Just go with it. He's All having right. fun. All right. Here's uh, some uh, taglines. Beware the demon forces of the blood beasts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have I already seen the film and know that that's irrelevant? Yes. Yeah, no then. That's got nothing to do with the film. Next. Past and present collide in a vortex of fear. <laughs> I hate that. That is the worst kind of vortex, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, okay, I'll, I'll give it that because I like the word vortex. Nice. Can anyone survive the demented marauding zombies in the house by the cemetery? Mm. Okay, having seen it, they're not overly marauding, yeah. and uh, there's one. There's one of them, yeah, yes. So it's not plural either. And then my favourite. Mm-hmm. Read the fine print. You may have just mortgaged your life. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, thank you. So I have to go for marauding. Yeah. Although it's not accurate in, <laughs> in descriptive terms, but yeah, it, it's the best one. Yeah. 
Well, there we go. We'll send that off to the publishers. Yeah, I've got all three, I think. I've got three of those. Sorry, not all three. You give me more than that. I've got three of those because I've got uh, the Arrow slipcase set. It's got three different covers on it. You know, whilst uh, I'm doing research for this, you know the guy that's on the front of it with the knife that's at the, like, above the house in the, mm-hmm. the poster? He's on loads of like Italian horror film. They've just like edited it to change his skin colour or take his eyes out and stuff like that. It's that same... like. Bloke oh, yeah. with the with the knife. Yeah, because I, I think I used to have this on Vipco as well. I'm sure he's on the um, New York Ripper front cover as well oh, over the he? city. Oh, I don't know. I haven't got that. I, no, I've not got the Blue Underground version of that. I've got. Yeah, I don't know if he's on that one. Anyway, can you have a look for that. Have a look for that yourself, guys, and let us know. Whilst we crack into this son of a bitch, let's do it. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! So we open on a nighttime shot of a cemetery. And what's that by the cemetery, Ken? A house. It's a house. Yeah, it's perfectly set up. I wrote that as well. You get some graves and you get a house. There we go. It's a house by a cemetery. That's the thing with Fulcher. You don't need any more than that. It's simple. That's it. You don't have to worry about it. It's done. That's the thing with him as well. He he doesn't leave anything to light, eh? See, see? uh... Yeah, he's just like, here's a cemetery and here's a house. Buy it. Yeah. That's your first scene. Tick the box. Next. It's like a cat in the brain. There's literally a, a shot of a cat eating a brain. Yeah, I watched that uh, not that long ago, actually. Yeah, just, he stars re- in that, doesn't recently he? recently bought that. He does, yeah, as himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My brain, it hurts. I've got some sort of cat in it or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> when he goes to the doctor, the doctor says, oh, Mr. Fulci, thank you for coming. Please do take a seat. Like that, because he's dubbed. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, don't mind if I do. Oh, my head. James Earl Jones. <laughs> Lucio, no. <laughs> uh, there's a light on in the house, and we meet a young woman um, who's got her tits out. Yeah, first of all, don't just skip to the tits, my darling. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, an unusual thing for me to say to you. I apologise for making eye contact when I said it. <laughs> but, but there's... um. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Ken's just fallen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. Yeah, we go straight to tits. <laughs> There's a shadow at the window. We're supposed to think, oh, my goodness, someone's in the house. You know, but there is. It's tits. Yeah. It's tits McGee. And uh, she's she's looking for her boyfriend, Steve, who's taken her there for some sexy sex. Yeah, there's fucking cobwebs everywhere. Mm. How sexy can that possibly be? What okay. is it about these films? Very sexy if you're into the whole cobweb fetish pornography. <laughs> she and Steve clearly are. Yeah. Although Steve's nowhere to be fucking seen, is he? Yeah, I just seen my note is um she's looking for a boyfriend, tits on show. Uh the woman I mean, not Steve. No, we don't see Steve yet. He's yeah. Steve. He's just he's gone missing. He's gone ne- missing in the house. And you never see his tits, so if, that's you, true. if you're tuning in just to see those, that's true. Unless you get the uncut, uncut version, yeah, with extras of Steve's tits. Yeah, that way everyone's got their tits out yeah. in this. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very odd. Uh, she needs to get home because she doesn't want to be put on restriction again. Yeah, no idea. Not sure what that means. I oh, know I was put on restriction for having sex with Steve in the old Freudstein <laughs> place. I don't know about you, Ken. No, no, I got away with it because I got home on time. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's um, I'll tell you what I do like about Fulci as well. There's footsteps for everything. All the time, yeah. Yes. Even if no one's attached to them. <laughs> you can just hear <laughs> footsteps. <laughs> and there's some loud footsteps now. And um, they're not fast, are they? He, no. does, he, doesn't, he doesn't speed that up. This is his um, impending dread 
uh, motif, isn't mm-hmm. it, where you just hear footsteps and you pretty much just get a close-up of the person who's also hearing them and that's it for a bit. Uh, and then a door closes. You'll never guess what. My God, what? Steve. Oh, my God. What, Steve, is he okay? Bloody, no, he's not okay. No, far from it. He's been impaled to the bloody door, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's where Steve is. Steve's got his brain showing. He has, yeah. He's been pinned to a door and his brain's leaking out. Anyway, yeah. He's and, got uh, I, like... he's got, I think he's been stabbed by some scissors. He's got yeah. scissors in his heart. Yeah, I was going to say, I like how she doesn't scream until she sees that scissors have penetrated we, uh, him. Yeah, because we zoom in on the scissors. Yeah. That's another thing. He loves these crash zooms, doesn't he, Fulci? He bloody does. In case More on that later. In case we're not aware of what's happening, he'll show us exactly what we're supposed to be noticing. Yeah. Scissors. Uh, we get a sort of rotten arm behind her holding a knife. And um, the rotten arm stabs the knife through the back of this girl's head and out of her mouth. Yeah, nice. First first one. Yeah. First one, what are we, about two minutes? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've already had, seen tits. We've, we've had tits. We've had footsteps. We've had crash zoom, brains out, knife stabbed through face. Yeah. Back, back of the net. And you've had a cemetery and a house. That's Not it. only that, finished Ken. it there. That would have been it. Yeah. She falls face down onto the floor and we get to zoom in on her ring. Yeah, we do, yeah. You pardon the imagery. Which is a nice touch. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the attacker, who we can see has one normal arm and one rotten arm, uh, grabs her by the legs and drags her body through the door down to the basement. I'd tell you, though, um, that normal arm is beautiful, isn't it? It is beautiful. What a beautiful arm and lovely hand. Yeah. It's like a hand model. Yeah. Isn't it? That's what I thought. I was watching. I thought, what a lovely, slender arm. I believe the the beautiful arm is Anne's arm. You know, the babysitter. She played the the arms in this film, <laughs> <laughs> according to IMDb. Well, that is nice. Oh, yeah. she got lovely arms. She does. Yeah, I like Anne. We'll come to that that later. I've on. got notes on Anne. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she has. She's got lovely Which arms. Which is probably good because she's in the film. It'd been crazy if I didn't mention her. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just quickly skip ahead and just mention her arms later. <laughs> yeah. I really do like her arms. Uh, the door creaks to a close, and we get some synths, just classic in Italian horror. Yeah, always like it. Uh, playing us into the opening credits. It actually sounds like the Dark Place music. It does. It's very, very similar to that. The Garth Marenghi Dark Place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like the opening credits to that. I'm not sure if that is where he got it from. I know he was influenced by Fulci oh, films. Oh, man, all so, over the yeah, place in Dark Place. Exactly. Isn't it, but I was sure, watching this, just picking but, out the... But that is, that is uh, the theme is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Thought it at the beginning, think it again at the end. Uh, we see a young girl standing there motionless with her hand on the window and her mouth agape in terror. And we get that in a lot of Italian horror where people are just holding unnatural poses for too long. Uh, the screen goes to black and white. And we see that this is actually a photo on the wall in a New York City apartment. Yeah. And then we meet Bob. What are your initial thoughts on Bob? He's a fucking pathetic looking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) He's got too much hair, hasn't he? (laughs) That's his problem. (laughs) He's like a helmet. Wearing a bloody blonde helmet. (laughs) Yeah. Blonde Helmet was another one of Ken's films. Yeah, yeah. That was his character uh, name. Helmets Galore uh, did the soundtrack on that. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's a very odd-looking kid, he isn't is, he? He's an unusual-looking kid. Mm. His voice... How old do you reckon has, he is? In this, or in real life? In this, before he apologised. <laughs> um, seven? Yeah. Seven or eight? 
Yeah, just to give you the facts on who we're calling a pathetic idiot. <laughs> Seven-year-old boy, <laughs> just doing his job. Yeah. He won't answer his mum when she speaks to him and asks him about what toys he's taking with him on the big move. Uh, his mum is Lucy Boyle. Yeah. And uh, if you thought Bob was odd before, wait until you hear him speak is my next line. <laughs> yeah. He'd be there because he's ignoring his mom. She's talking and she's like, he's, he's not saying anything. And then when he does say something, you feel like you're slapping him and telling him to shut up again. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever speak out loud. Yeah. It's not his fault. Yeah. He's like, Mommy, why does that girl keep telling me I shouldn't go there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. Mom, <laughs> the mom thinks Bob is mental after she asks him what girly means and he points to the one in the window of the one house in the of the picture <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she goes in for a closer look and Ken there's no one at the window in the picture oh my god but we saw it too ah! thank you ah I guess she had something to do said Bob like some sort of malfunctioning android uh, the mum tells him to stop being weird and pack away his toys and as they leave the room we zoom in again on the picture, and the girl's back. She's there again. Spooky. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, often the New York Historical Society, where we get to meet Bob's dad, Norman. Hello. He's chatting with director Lucio Fulci about taking over the work of his mentor, Dr. Peterson. Yeah, who I thought was Steve at this point. Who? Is this a, uh, Dr. Peterson. Because I thought he's going to that house. Ah, yeah, yes. He's saying he's, oh, he's going to go and like, find out where, what happened at the house. And I was thinking, so Steve was Dr. Peterson. Steve Peterson. Yeah, it could have been, couldn't it? Could have. Yeah. It's not unusual for that to be a man's name. Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know why you said it like that was unlikely, wasn't it? It's very unlikely, Ken. Unlikely anyone with the surname Peterson's got the first name of Steve. Yeah. If you're out there, Steve Peterson, give us a call. Just Let us crying. <laughs> Turns the, the podcast off. <laughs> I'm a dying breed. Turns out Dr. Peterson, um, apparently he's gone and killed himself before the film started. And not only that, but we also find out he killed his mistress, Sheila, as yeah. well. Yeah, it's truth. <laughs> <laughs> Fulci asks him, asks him if he has any apprehensions about moving out to Peterson's old place, and he says... Yes, it's scary. Yes, many. <laughs> he organised the project, got it underway, and then, for no reason, abandoned everything, says Norman. Yeah, and hung himself, perhaps. You know, that's also a bit weird, isn't it? Or has he just abandoned everything? Yeah, he's more concerned <laughs> yeah, about he's that. more concerned about the work and the research. And Fulci sighs and says, Ah, the times we live in. Taxi! <laughs> <laughs> Fulci, when he hasn't got a beard... Uh, looks a little bit like uh, Harry Hill. He does, yeah. Um, I didn't like him without bit, a beard. Bit, big coloured Harry Hill. Yeah. A British comedian. Um, also, you know, J&B is always um, advertised and used in these Italian films. The um, whiskey. I don't think... Whiskey! I don't know if anyone actually drinks any in this, but when they are talking on the uh, the sidewalk, there's a big bus turns up, and that has got a huge advert for J&B whiskey on the side of the bus. Mm. So I don't know whether that was how they got around nobody actually drinking it. Yeah. Again, I'm not sure. Maybe people were drinking it. Fortune calls for a taxi, promises to visit Boyle and family when school finishes. I don't know why he's still in school. It's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's clean shaven, isn't he? <laughs> Getting away with it. <laughs> he thinks he's a kid. 
He's he's uh, flunked junior high <laughs> for forty years. Fulci the flunker, they call him. <laughs> yeah. Cut to them packing the car up anyway. Not Lucho Fulci. He's fucked up. Yeah, It'd he's be weird if he was doing yeah, it as well. Gone, yeah. I'm like it if he was just there for the rest of the film and no one speaks to him. He's <laughs> <laughs> just in the back of the back of the car with Bob. Yeah. Just looking at Bob, just shaking his head. Yeah. Like, oh, God. <laughs> Maybe he's also got the same hair as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be good, yeah. Uh, Lucy asked Norman if he went to speak to Mrs. Mrs. Peterson before they headed off. And he quite rightly asked her what is it that he was going to say to her exactly. Yeah, so, sorry, your husband's dead. Oh, sorry, your husband's dead after he had an affair with another woman, killed her and then hung himself. Yeah. It's a good point, Norman. Well it's, raised. It is a fair point, isn't it? And she's like, yeah, okay. We get some funky music as the family... Yeah, disco music. As the family head off for New England and a new life in New Whitby. Yeah, sounds nice, doesn't it? We see the girl from the picture as they arrive. Uh, she's staring at a like a load of mannequins in a shop window. Yeah, yeah. Until the female mannequin's head rolls off, showing some blood and gore on the next stump. Yeah, it's a fucking ugly mannequin, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It's weird because the mannequin's supposed to represent someone in the film, isn't it? But we haven't met them yet. So it's yeah. very, yeah. There's a, lot, there's a lot in this film that um, doesn't actually go anywhere. Yeah, isn't there? I have questions. I'm going <laughs> yeah, to ask you later. There's an awful lot that you just think, oh, so oh no, no, that no, doesn't explain anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're there thinking, okay, right. I bet that will come in later, and it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this is one of them. She starts crying, begging out loud not to do it to someone or something. Oh. Uh, Norman, meanwhile, he parks up outside the agency to pick up the house keys. And little Bob waits in the car whilst they head on over. Yep, stay here, Bob. And he's like... You annoying little shit. Will you get me some candy? See, we're going to a real estate office. Where the fuck am I going to get candy from, you dickhead? Yeah, that was in the Italian (laughs) original. (laughs) Yeah, if you watch it with subtitles, that's what you get. Uh, In the real estate office, they're met by Mrs. Gittleson. Nice. What a beautiful name. Isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She seems to recognise Norman. And asks him if he's been to New Whitby before. And he gives the most, like, guilty yeah, look. He does, doesn't he? Like, he? He just, like, side-eyes his wife for, like, ten seconds before he responds. And then says, no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's fair enough then. She turns to ask her colleague, Harold, to get the keys for her. And she hands them over, calling them... And he hands them over, sorry, calling them the Freudstein keys. Harold's a useless dick as well, isn't he, in his job? Yeah. He actually says he can't find them. And they're in the drawer right where he sat. He yeah. didn't even open it. He didn't even look. Yeah, he's he's weird. He's, he's in it a bit later on as well, and he's still being weird then. Yeah. Every character in this film is odd for no reason. Mm-hmm. You've just had the uh, Doctor there. you just had Norman acting weird for no reason whatsoever. Um, the wife got... acts weird like Yeah, exactly. Like Harold, he, he's a bit weird. Um, the, 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 the real estate agent, she's weird. Getting house, whatever. Gittleson. Yeah, she's she's weird. Everyone's just odd for no reason. Anyway, whatever, carry on. Yep, and uh, once he says the, the Freudstein keys, um, she corrects him saying, it's called Oak Mansion, Harold. Yeah, you idiot. And backhands him across the face. Yep. Meanwhile, Bob makes further contact with the girl in the photo, who this time is um, like eight miles away across yeah, the road. she's just stood over the road, isn't she? And they're communicating somehow. 
Yeah, like the, the, yeah, they're far away, but they're talking to each other with normal volume. Yeah, without actually moving their mouths either, are they? Are they just are they communicating? Are they actually talking, or is it all in the mind? But I know she introduces herself as May, and um, she warns Bob to stay away, and Bob whines at her that he couldn't convince his mommy. Mm-hmm. And May's like, "Well, stop being such a pathetic little shit for once in your miserable life." You've got to imagine it. He's actually saying it out loud. You wouldn't have your internal monologue that annoying as well, would you? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> in that true. stupid voice. Everything yeah. you think's in that voice. Yeah. God, that'd be annoying. The parents, uh, they remain remarkably calm when they see that Bob's vanished from the back of the car. They are so frightened to see that he's not there anymore. They stand still for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and just look at the same place for ages and go, he'll be here somewhere. And then Bob elbows her and, and sort of points with his thumb like to where he is, and he's, he's just behind the car on the grass bank there, sitting down stroking a fucking horrible doll. Yeah, really ugly doll. That May was holding before. Yeah, so you got one arm as well, hasn't it? It's like it's broken as well. Yeah. Uh, accompanying the family to Oak Mansion, Mrs. Gittleson promises to arrange for a babysitter to drop by. And Lucy immediately notices that the house looks like the house in the photographs in their new home. Mm-hmm. That's good, because, you know, we haven't picked up on that, had we? No. So it's good that they told us. Uh, Norman, side eyes are a little too long again, <laughs> then dismisses it as, oh, it's just typical of the architecture and there should be hundreds of houses like this in the area. With cemeteries right next door, probably. Again, like, the uh, the why is the picture of the house in their house is never mentioned nah, again. whatever. just is. And Norman, again, just side-eyeing her and being like... Boom. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what, what does he know? What does he know? I can't wait to find out at the end. <laughs> yes. Inside the house, it's totally fucked, isn't it? The house. And you can see Norman, he's working on getting the water back on in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. She's immediately saying, maybe we should just have stayed in New York. Yeah. It's like within, what, about the first 10 minutes of getting there. Yeah. That's going to be annoying, isn't it, if that happens every uh, every like day? Yeah, Norman's already, we've already heard in dialogue previously that she's been sort of uh, umming and ahhing about going with them anyway. Like mm-hmm. One time she said yes, and then she says no. He does tell her, though, that it's only for six months and to treat it as a vacation for her and little Bob whilst he does his research, reminding... Which is true, because she ain't doing any work, is she? No. She's just gone somewhere for six months. Yeah. He... Nice, wasn't it? Well, he's reminding her of the extra 5k a year as well it's bringing in. That would be nice. And it'll allow them to redecorate the apartment they have. Yes. Dreaming so big. So they've Norman. not moved, you see. They've not moved. It's just a six-month gig. Yeah. Yeah, so what's the problem? Well, there's a lot of fucking problems to it, Ken. Well, to, be honest. Like, to, be, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. But at the moment, yeah. you know, as far as they're concerned, decent enough. Uh, Lucy notices the doll on top of their things on the table and picks it up. And Norman says... What's the matter, darling? It's only a doll. And she says, Bob's always bringing home that trash! <laughs> and throws she, it to the floor. She does overreact slightly, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you get Mommy Dearest vibes yeah, off her. In fairness, she's overreacted a little bit there to having a doll that's not in the way or anything. It's just there. Uh, you kind of fear for Bob's safety around this <laughs> lunatic now. <laughs> this is what we're talking about, about characters acting oddly. What yeah. the fuck's happening here? Yeah, well, we don't know. Um, but uh, her husband. <laughs> yeah, it's never mentioned her why husband she's acting just like says, this. Uh, Why don't you just make sure you take your pills? And she shouts, No! Uh, apparently, they can cause hallucinations. <laughs> At which point he says, Are you sure? 
<laughs> and then we just have a pause there while she thinks about it. And then that's the end of that scene. <laughs> we don't. It's like, oh, fuck it. I like how he says, uh, you really should take those pills Joe Baker prescribed. I was like, who the fuck's Joe Baker? <laughs> you got somebody at home, Joe Baker, just like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Got to mention. And I like how she's like, why do you keep telling me to take those pills? I feel fine. Never better. And she's like wild eyed when she says it. <laughs> she's just smashed a doll to pieces <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, is she sure they cause hallucinations? We just don't know. She doesn't answer him and uh, he doesn't ask again. No, because they're too busy looking at the cellar door. Yeah, we just cut that to, uh, ah, cellar, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard about these. It's been nailed shut as well. <laughs> these things? Yes. We live in an apartment in New York. We don't have cellars. Yes, but some people do, and here's one of them. Uh, they start unpacking and a strange woman arrives and introduces herself as Anne the Babysitter. I put played by the beautiful Anya Pieroni. Oh, yes. She has um, very sleepy eyes. She is, uh, I've written down, she's a dusky maiden. Yes. I actually wrote bitch, but I thought that would be a bit upset. <laughs> <laughs> she's a dusky bitch. Yeah, that's how Ken describes the, her- the heroine in his <laughs> romance novel. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I thought I'd change it to Dusky Maiden, which yeah. I think sounds better, doesn't it? Yeah, I edited it for him, and yeah. that's the first <laughs> the first thing I, I changed. Yeah, she is. I think she's got seductive eyes, not sleepy eyes. Yeah. Seduction in those eyes. I think she's trying to be seductive in a few scenes. It worked but for it, me. It looks like she's just falling asleep. That worked for me. Now that I know that those were her me. arms, even better. Yeah. Yeah. And now I know that those are her eyes, I feel better. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, it's win-win. Uh, interspersed with this is shots of uh, the beheaded mannequin from earlier, and we see that the mannequin's supposed to look like her. Yeah, it's really poor, wasn't it? Oh, man, yeah. I know, it's like I'd made that or something, just yeah. out of pieces of shit that I'd found. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that night, Norman's up late going through some of Peterson's files, and he opens one with the title, Freudstein. <laughs> What a great name it's for a brilliant, doctor. isn't it? <laughs> basically just take a couple of doctors' names and just put them together. <laughs> Dr. Freudstein. Superb. And suddenly he hears noises, creaking, heavy breathing, and what seems to be Bob crying. Yeah. Pathetically. There's like footsteps, isn't there? You get this as well. There's footsteps and there's a shadow. And there's like loads of footsteps. It keeps going. Footsteps, footsteps, shadows, footsteps. And uh, it's just it's just Norman. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, what's he doing walking that slowly to his fucking office? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he walking creepily to his own office in the <laughs> middle of the night? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very uh, resonating, isn't it, that house? The floorboards. Mm. Yeah, every time anyone walks, you can hear it massively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this one, he's only going to his office. What's he doing walking that slow? Like in a sen- impending doom or something <laughs> speed. Slow walking fool. Yeah, idiot. He, off he goes to investigate and he sees Bob is soundly asleep in his little feety pyjamas. Um, at least he is soundly he asleep. He doesn't him. actually look that comfortable, does he, in that bed? No, he's yeah, sleeping very oddly. sleeping upwards. Yeah. Yeah, very weird. Anyway, whatever. Well, he does sleep eventually after Norman elbows him in the face and get him back to sleep. Quite right. He then hears another noise after tucking Bob in and uh, heads downstairs to find Anne unblocking the cellar door. Yeah, with a bloody like 
crowbar. Yeah. Trying to jemmy the uh, the stuff out, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. He he says, Anne! And then we get some close-ups on the eyes. Yeah. Both of them. We get close-ups on her eyes. Dusky, seductive maiden eyes. Mm-hmm. We get close-ups on his eyes. Panicky man eyes. Shifty eyes. <laughs> and then we close-up on her eyes and his eyes. And uh, then we just cut and it's next day. Yeah, he, he just, just, he just he? walks off. Yeah. <laughs> he just turns around and leaves. Yeah. yeah. It's okay because that'll be explained later. Yeah, why why she's doing this. I was like, no. oh my God. Yeah, it won't. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> uh, the next day, Norman goes to the local library to look over Dr. Peterson's materials. Do you know, it was at about this point that I realised that uh, Norman looks like uh, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp. Because <laughs> I was trying to think, who's he look like all the way through? It's, it's Jurgen Klopp. I thought he looked a bit like a sort of um, bargain basement version of Donald Sutherland from uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh yes, yes, a little yeah, bit set in Venice. Yeah, <laughs> got the got the same, even the same attire with the turtleneck. And yeah, he's got better hair than Sutherland. How so dare you? So he's got a bloody perm going on. <laughs> yeah, he does. Freak. <laughs> we meet Doctor Wheatley. No, sorry, Mister Wheatley. He's not a doctor in libraries. <laughs> He's Mr. Wheatley, the librarian. He's a doctor of books. He's a doctor of thinking. He's a doctor of words. Mm, he could tell us if you think in your own voice, I bet, if he was a doctor of it. He also seems to recognise um, Norman and asks him uh, what it was that Dr. Peterson was so eager to discuss with him when he came here to visit with his daughter last October. Yeah, it's a lot of detail, isn't it? Norman looks around, does the... Because he's like so sort of <laughs> taken aback by this. He's shocked by that suggestion. Uh, he just replies that, nope, not been here before, and I've got a son, Yeah, I think. Although, to be fair, could have been <laughs> mistaken for a daughter, what with that helmet he wears. <laughs> On their way into this, because uh, he leaves, and he leaves his wife behind to go to the uh, the office. Um, huh, they, men. They see um, Mrs., um, what was her name, Gittin Ship. Yes. That's her, yeah. yeah. So they see her, the real estate woman. Yeah. And uh, the wife waves. She waves to her. And uh, she just blanks her, just walks straight past her. Yeah, and the wife, because she's like pathetic, it's like, she must not like me. Yeah. And she's like, oh, maybe she just didn't see us. And she did, because she stares directly at them and just walks off in a hurry. And you think, what's going on there? But don't worry, that'll all be explained later. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> it's just another pointless piece. Uh, yeah, I actually was there thinking, oh, why is she being weird? I forgot about that. And then you just don't know, ever find out again. It's like, oh, fuck it, Fulci. <laughs> you bloody <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> we meet the assistant librarian now, introduced by Mr. Wheatley as the precious Daniel Douglas. <laughs> yeah, he's got Dark Place vibes, hasn't he? Like the temp. Yeah. <laughs> he just turns... got a big old smile on his face. He turns up snivelling and breathy like some sort of sex pest, is what I've written. <laughs> Oh, and I just thought he was smiling. <laughs> That's why I'm no longer a detective. <laughs> yes. He tells Norman that Dr. Peterson has been conducting private research at the old house. He'd been studying records of disappearances in the area over the last several years, as well as medical reports and death certificates, none of which has any relevance to his official studies. That is unusual, isn't it? Well, Norman's had enough of this freak and goes to leave. Um... And he asked Norman uh, if he knew where Dr. Peterson hanged himself. This is my favourite bit of the film. 
Turns out it was from a beam, Ken. Where? That beam right there! <laughs> and he points to this like metal bar that's just above them. <laughs> and we get a close-up. It's a crash zoom on a metal railing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's absolutely terrifying. It is. And if you're not scared by it, the music will make you go... <gasps> yeah, I yeah, did. The doctor did. Norman, he's absolutely aghast by the whole thing. <gasps> It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. That beam right there! <laughs> it was like, ah! <laughs> and uh, precious Daniel Douglas is like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then just dives through the window. Yeah, and then comes death. back in. <laughs> comes back in just brushing the glass off his shoulder. Anyway, how long will you be staying, Doctor? <laughs> <laughs> again, for the third time. Yeah, but I've never been here. Hmm, that's odd. Uh, cut back to the house, and Bob is pissing around in the undergrowth. Yeah. Which is one of Ken's uh, solo albums. <laughs> Not with Bob written in it. Just pissing about in the undergrowth. Yeah. yeah. Ken B. Wild is. <laughs> yeah, there was a picture of me just, like, throwing leaves. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was in a big pile of leaves, just my head and arms out. Yeah. Yeah. With more leaves falling. Yeah, I took the picture. It was yeah. A good day, that. It was beautiful. It was lovely. Uh, May appears and shows Bob a tombstone with the name Mary Freudstein. Freudstein! Turns out that's the wife of the doctor, the good doctor Freudstein, and says that the woman is not really dead. Yeah, she says she's not buried here. He says, why not? Because she's not dead. She says, what are you talking about? She's like, nothing. Yeah. And we cut that scene. Yeah. <laughs> that's the end of that. So this will all be explained yeah, later. Yeah, don't you worry. We'll find out exactly what's going on later. No. Norman, after getting over the shock of seeing a metal beam close up, is now digging through the files in the library. To be fair, he wasn't actually that close to it. We were. Yeah. It affected me more than it affected him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't hear the music either, did he? No. That, that came with it. Or I... maybe maybe the, the temp was playing it on a little recorder. <laughs> Live yeah. on a cello. Yes. Um. He comes across a letter that tells us that uh, Dr. Jacob Allen Freudstein mm -hmm. is suspended from the medical association and banned from practicing in the medical profession for life. Yeah. I don't know why he was only suspended then. Yeah. He's been banned for life. That's not a suspension, is it? He's only suspended. It's worse, I'd expect. Yes. He's only suspended from the medical association, but he's banned from practicing the profession <laughs> for life. Oh, fair enough. Indoors, meanwhile, you know, we saw Bob and now we're going into the house. Lucy, she finds a tombstone set into the floor. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It has the name Jacob Tess Freudstein. Yeah, many names, this guy. Uh, scared, confused, bewildered, lost by this discovery, she hears noises coming from all round the house mm -hmm. and uh, breaks down screaming just in the middle of the room. Yeah, it's um, it's because like the cellar doors rattling as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's moving. Um, her knees are knocking, <laughs> as were mine. Yes. Yeah, she's uh, she thinks she hears Bob. Uh, she shouts Bob. She shouts Anne. Nobody responds. The cellar door rattling away. She gets a lot close up. She's wild eyed. She's terrified. Uh, and then the doctor just comes home and says, "I'm home." Yeah, and she's cowering in the corner. Yeah, he's he's on his way up the stairs to see where she is, and then he just stops. And there's a long scene where he's just stood still. 
And we can see her, she's behind him, but he doesn't turn around until after about 10, 15 seconds. <laughs> then he turns around and sees her and goes, <gasps> is everything all right? Yeah. <laughs> so clearly not, no. You don't sit on the floor crying if everything's all right, do you? Yeah. That's just not the way it works. He consoles her anyway by saying that some of the old houses in the region do have indoor tombs because of the hard wintry grounds, you see, Ken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. And with the yard being like a rock, they buried Grandpa at home. <laughs> Which is odd, because it is a cemetery, though, isn't it? So everyone else got buried out there. Yeah, not Grandpa. No, not him. Yeah. Anyway, so that's enough close-ups on everybody. Uh, she goes to bed, wakes up, feels fine. Whee! Yeah. There you go, a little bit of sleep. Well, Norman, he's got even more good news for her. He has a surprise for her, which turns out to be a set of keys and a flashlight. Yeah. Now that set of keys is the most ridiculously oversized set of keys <laughs> since a Scooby-Doo cartoon, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, look. Look at these keys. Yeah, she's happy about it. She loves keys. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like they're going on an adventure through the cellar door, I've written. But before they can open it, Bob turns up with the babysitter, Anne, and he tells his parents that he has his new girlfriend, May, and he saw her again. New girlfriend, May, that's presumptuous of him, I isn't know, it? I know, yeah. Especially looking at him. Yeah, calm down, Bob. Yeah, bloody hell. He, she said to say hi to the parents. Yeah. May said hi. Yeah, she's not happy, is she, Mum? No. She's like, Anne, did you see her? She's like, no, I did not. Anne's like, <laughs> uh, no. She's out being dusky. Yes. She's dusking away. She's got a, <laughs> in the corner. The back of her hand against her, her like, forehead. Yeah. But, like, seductively, not just like. Just like, it's not glued to it. Yeah. <laughs> like a freak. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, she says, no. No, I didn't know. And she's like, ah, oh, right. Uh, Norman offers Bob to help him get the door open. Yeah, the door's stuck. I'll tell you what you need to do. Uh, you need a, a sharp-bladed knife, don't you? That'll that'll turn a key. Yeah. Not sure why they went for that. I don't know why they went for that. No. Especially when they've got that massive pair of scissors. Mm. Yeah, still. Yeah, you get eyes close enough of everyone because they just stop and look at each other. Once he says, "Oh, I've got the, uh, Bob's found the right key," and then there's close-ups of uh, the babysitter's eyes, uh, Lucy's eyes, Norman's eyes, back to Lucy, back to the babysitter, back to Norman, and then they carry on. Yeah, and it's like that's that's good. That <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's with bit, no that's music some, or anything. That, that's uh, that's set this scene up nicely, hasn't it? Yes, deathly <laughs> for, quiet for, for opening a door. Deathly quiet <laughs> and just shots of people's closed up eyes. As Ken says, yeah, they use a knife to force the the key to turn. And uh, I like this line here from Norman. He says, "This lock is rusty as all get out." <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. No, I no idea. <laughs> Norman eventually gets it open. It's a massive bolt, isn't it? It's and how long huge. it how long he's been turning that and how much of that has to move before it opens. Yeah, it's like the ones you get in like castles. Yeah, the fucking hell's locked that. Norman he eventually gets it open and, and walks down the stairs. Very slowly. They all slowly walk downstairs. And remember that girl from the start of the film, Ken? With the tits. I do remember, yeah, yeah, don't forget tits. You know me. Well Norman finds her ring and fingers it. Oh yes, yeah. Puts it in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and as he does that, he's attacked by a large bat. He is indeed, yes. It's some of the best special effects of the film. Absolutely terrifying, this. It's the it, most it's terrifying. It's a jump scare. It's a jump scare, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's a jump scare because it's a bat. Lucy comes down to see, hey, what's going on down here? Yeah. <laughs> it's straight in her hair. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and she screams. Um, 
I like it because then uh, it goes away. And she says, what was it? And he responds by saying, nothing. <laughs> He's like, oh, that seems likely. Yeah, that's right. Yes, it was nothing. But wait. But yes. it's coming back again for another attack. She goes absolutely fucking mental right now, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. There's a bat in the fucking head. It's in her what face. What am I going to do? <laughs> it is in the kitchen in a minute. <laughs> Yeah, she's gone crazy. Um, he just stands there watching her as well at this point, the doctor. <laughs> she, she's going crazy, flapping her hair around with a bat in it, and he's just stood there just watching her. <laughs> yeah, you would, to be honest. <laughs> he's not helping. He's not trying to assist. He's just going, <laughs> look at that. Yeah. Ken, is this the most terrifying piece of cinema you've ever seen? It's very close, if not the most, yeah. Is it more terrifying than Norman's flared white jeans? Well, I don't know. Because he's, he's rocking them at yeah, this point. Yeah, he is. It's a bad choice of colour, to be honest, at this point. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> what happens now? Yeah, going to Brown Town. Oh, yes. Oh, no, sorry, you don't mean he no, shit himself. No, no, I don't. Not the, no, no, I did. <laughs> he was all right. Uh, fun fact for you, actress Catriona McCall said it was shooting this scene that got her over her fear of bats. Such was the realism. <laughs> it's not overly realistic, is it? Is it, Catriona? If you look, it, I look back at it now. Yeah, it's a plastic bat on a fishing fucking line. <laughs> anyway, it bites. Uh, it bites Norman's hand. Um, you know, in proper mm-hmm. sort of motion. Um, he then runs up the stairs, arm first. With with these hand with the bat on it. Yeah, you know, like Ace Ventura too, when yeah. he's running with the bat yeah. in his hands, it's he, like that. He does this. Yeah, he runs back up the stairs into the kitchen with the bat on his hand. Um, there's blood fucking everywhere. I'm bat hand. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> yeah, Bob. Bob at this point says, "What's the matter?" Because <laughs> Bob can't see fucking bats. No, <laughs> he's blind not. to bats, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, um, which is a bit weird. Uh, Anne, she's still there. She's just staring, all dusky. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> bats. Yeah, she likes bats. Um, he picks up the scissors. So it's a good job that he didn't use them because he picks the scissors up now and stabs the bat. Uh, that bat is so full of blood, isn't it? Yeah. It's got a lot of blood in that bat. Yeah. Perhaps too much. So he's doing it a favour by letting it out. Yeah, what's that bat been eating to be that big? I don't know. It's just been down there, hasn't it? Yeah. Not much down Locked there, in is a there cellar. so far. Anyway, I, yeah. I, I, my note is that the, the pair of scissors is the largest pair of scissors I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and that Dr. Freudstein obviously cut a lot of ribbons at a few opening ceremonies. He must have done. He was a celebrated doctor yeah. before he was struck off for life. <laughs> yes. For breeding massive bats. I put blood pisses out the bat. Before dropping dead to the kitchen floor. It's, it's a long time though. I think you've you've cut that scene massively short. It goes on and on and on. It like does. Minutes of blood. <laughs> he does actually when he's got it bite in his hand. Uh, he waves his arm around the place. Uh, so so Bob gets blood splattered all over his face. <laughs> Anne gets blood splattered all over her sexy, seductive, dusky maiden face. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wife, she's covered in blood. He's covered in blood. Uh, his nice, beautiful white trousers. Blood. Blood everywhere. It's like puddles of blood. Yeah. It's a bat. <laughs> it's not that much blood in a bat. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, yeah, yeah. Blood fucking everywhere. Brilliant. Uh, we cut to Harold in the real estate agency. Yeah, that's enough of that. Anyway, yeah, that's enough of that. Thank you very much, Fulci. Good scene. And we can see that the boils are driven down there and they're demanding to be rehoused. Mm-hmm. He's yawning, isn't he, Harold? He's yeah. useless. I mean, what's he doing? Yeah. Why is he just yawning directly in front of them? Just in in, uh, in uh, Lucy's face. Yeah, because they're, they're, <laughs> <in, laughs> they're all in a panicking state. Yeah. And he's just yawning at them. How busy could he possibly be? Well, he's told that they'll have to wait until tomorrow, but that he will get Mrs. Giddleson to stop by later that evening. Not busy at all, then? No. Exactly. Why is he so tired? Sort your sleep pattern out, Harold. He pretends to use the phone as they fuck off, and he looks up and says, That Freudstein house. That Freudstein house. And shakes his head as as they leave. Yeah, nice. And then uh, Norma comes back like, Sorry? <laughs> We've only just got up, so Sorry. we could hear no, you. No, 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 nothing. He just yawns. <laughs> <laughs> We go next to Mrs. Giddleston's office, and she's counting some money out, and Harold is sitting opposite her, telling her that it was inevitable that they would want to leave the Freudstein place. She sighs, reminding him to call it Oak Mansion, and he says, Call it what you will, but it's always been Freudstein's house. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're glossing over another scene with May in a room with dolls, being told she has to go to bed, saying she won't go inside. Yeah, somebody's there. Some mother figure, yeah, saying it's time for bed. May mm. she's like, yeah, well, whatever. Play with your fucking dolls. Um, the next day, I guess. I think so. Because he says, oh, she'll come round later in the evening, but it's like the morning now. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, the boils there out. Mrs. Giddleston arrives at the house to tell the family that a property has been found for them. She knocks on the door, no answer, lets herself in as you would. Why not? And she's she's walking around, and she actually stands on the the tombstone that's on the ground there and it breaks apart instantly as she puts her weight on it her, fi- her foot goes down the crack <laughs> traps her ankle we've all been there uh, as she struggles to free herself we see old rotten arm from earlier in the film emerges from the cellar yeah the lights all go out don't they yeah the lights are flickering they've all gone out and then he grabs a fireplace poker and starts stabbing her repeatedly. Yeah, nice POV of the fire poker approaching her, mm-hmm. her terror. She's recoiling in horror from it. Yeah, throughout this scene, I had to sort of turn the sound down on this because it sounded a bit like pornography, the way he was, like, grunting. Yeah, yeah there is, there, yeah. And then she's sort of, like, making similar noises. Yeah. Yeah, but what is, in fact, happening, um, far from being pornography, uh, Dom, is uh, he's stabbing her in the chest with a fire poker mm. and uh, injuring her? Yeah, and the neck. Yeah, then there's a great throat one, isn't it? Yeah, there's a great. Yeah, sh- really, this is shot really, really, really like from the side angle where you can yeah. see it spurting out of her neck, the blood. Yeah, this is blood pornography, Ken. Yes, my favourite kind of. Oh no, hang on. can I? Yeah. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we get jets of blood from her neck in slow-mo from yeah. various angles. Really is good. And she's dragged to the cellar, and uh, we get decent... My uh, note is decent, duck, gory death scene and cool makeup as she's being dragged away, like all the blood all over in her hair and whatnot. Looks cool. She seems to have an eye missing as well when she's being dragged away. Of course, yes. I don't know where that went. Who she knows? just fell out yeah. of boredom. <laughs> yes. In fear. Yes. Her eye just came out. Yeah. I think it can happen. I've seen cases of it. Yeah, Colombo. Yeah. Just one more thing. Where's your eye? 
<laughs> the fuck happened to your eye? Yeah, I'm sure one of them said Nobody that. Nobody says that to Colombo. Jesus. Yeah, except Colombo. Yeah, except the Mrs. Colombo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's blood everywhere. That's a ridiculous dragging away. That's not stealth at all. There's like a huge trail of blood leading all that way. Um, and the door slams shut. You know, like um, in Texas Chainsaw. Mm. Where he just slams the metal door shut. Yeah. This cellar door just slams shut. Yeah, except not as good. And also, I don't think stealth is the name of the game with Freud Steam. It doesn't seem to be, does it? No. A slow moving fool. Then we well, we cut we cut to an outside scene and there's a cat. Not not a cat in the brain, but there's a cat on the grave. B- the black cat. Yeah. Another Fulci film. Which it's it's just there. We get a close up of it and we like zoom. And it's and I just think that I think they just saw it there and thought, look, you zoom in on that and that'll look good. That will like a cat in a graveyard by the, in a horror film. That's always a good idea. In fact, you mentioned Poe, and that was actually a a Poe story, wasn't it? it that was, he was, yeah. My God. So I, I think I think that they just saw that happen to be there and just thought that'd be good. Cause it's mm. a horror film, isn't it? Mm. Black cat in a graveyard, nice. Uh, the next day, I guess. I've yeah, thought. yeah, that's what I mean. It's just there, isn't it? I just think it's there because it doesn't play any part. Yeah. I put, why would they come home and not see the blood and go straight to bed? Because mm. it's the morning, isn't it? And yeah. Lucy comes down yawning and she's like, morning, Anne. And Anne is scrubbing up huge masses of blood off yeah, the floor. She's just scrubbing it away, isn't she? I'm like, oh my God. She was trying to open the cellar door earlier. Now she's mopping up the blood to mm-hmm. get rid of the evidence. Don't you worry. It'll all be explained later. Excellent. Nope. Uh, Anne, ig- Anne ignores all of this blood <laughs> and just goes and makes herself some coffee. This is the wife, not Anne. Sorry, Lucy ignores all this blood and starts making a coffee and talking, asking Anne about her family. Total bullshit small talk. Yeah. Anne, to her credit, um, just ignores her totally. Yeah. <laughs> just stares at her. Lucy takes the coffee up to Norman, tells him that she thinks Anne's a real weirdo. Well, to be honest, this bit, there's a bit, though, where Anne gets up and walks towards Lucy, slowly. And you kind of think, oh, no, she's going to kill her, she's going to kill her, she's going to kill her. And then it cuts to the point of view of the tea being taken into the doctor. Mm-hmm. And um, and says, your tea, doctor, whatever his name is. Freud, Steve. <laughs> not, not this time. Boyle. Dr. Boyle. And uh, it's his wife. Mm-hmm. It's Lucy yeah. just giving him his tea. Because you're there thinking, she's killed him. And uh, then she's taking the tea to Dr. Boyle. But no, it, it is Lucy and nothing happened at all. No. What the hell is Anne walking in slow motion without speaking directly at the mistress of the house? Would that not be weird? Do you think? Yes, Ken, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anne is weird. Yeah. And she says it, Lucy, she says it right now. She's a real weirdo on account of her sleepy eyes and the fact she can't get a word out of her. <laughs> No mention of the massive pool of blood she was mopping up. And again, she's like, maybe she just doesn't like me. I'm like, oh, you idiot. I tell you what he says. Nothing. Yeah, he ignores he her. He totally ignores her as well. So <laughs> yeah. maybe it's her. He maybe, tell- maybe she's a ghost. Maybe. Oh, my God. Anyway, it'll all be explained. No, we won't. No, forget it. He tells us that Peterson was reading up on a certain Dr. Freudstein. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was a t- <laughs> It'd be great if they, every time they said it, they said it like that. <laughs> yeah. And we got a close-up. Yeah. We beam. might as well, because there's a lot of them. Yeah. He was a turn-of-the-century surgeon with a penchant <laughs> for illegal experiments. <laughs> no, penchant! Another close-up. Eyebrow raised. And then Norman tells Lucy that he's going to be travelling back to New York for some more research. Yeah, I've got to get the okay to do some more research. I've got to f- for a follow-up on a hunch. Why's he going to go back to New York? All that? the way back to New York. Yeah. Just no, ring. No telephones. No, that's true. Ever. Yeah, no telephones in New Whitby. No way, Jose. And uh, he, he thinks that Dr. Freudstein and Peterson's suicide is somehow connected. Yeah. It's got to be connected. It's got to be connected to the research, the Freudstein uh, research or whatever. And sure enough, off he goes. Drops by the library on his way out the the, the town. Bumps into the precious Daniel Douglas. Yeah. He says, I didn't expect anyone to be here. What with it being the weekend? And he says, why are you here? And he looks shifty as hell. He does. He says uh, he's, he comes in on Sunday to check all the wings of the library and not to masturbate under the desk whilst reading Alice in Wonderland, like Norman thinks. Uh, Dan, precious if Daniel... If you get the uh, extended cut, <laughs> you'll see that that's exactly what he was just doing. You'll see his extended cut. <laughs> uh, precious Daniel Douglas fucks off anyway, and Norman gives another superb close-up of his reaction to that damn metal beam. Yes, we get to see it again. Yeah, and of course, course, if you were wondering why he was in the office, it will all be... No, no, he's just there. It's just just another bit to make you think, what's going on there? Nothing. Yeah. He is just there to check on stuff. Quick shot of Bob and May playing tag in the cemetery outside the house. He tells May his plan is to sneak back into the house, pretend to be asleep for a minute or two, then sneak out again. See ya! (laughs) And off he runs. And he just runs away. Yeah, I tell you what, the best, the best pretending to be asleep is uh, equally stupidly voiced Michael from Burial Ground. Yeah, Peter Bart. Yeah, you don't get you don't get many to to the dozen. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Norman finds a cassette recording of Doctor Peterson. He plays it, and we hear the recording from the Evil Dead. I think it yeah, sounds the same. It's music for three seconds. Yes, isn't there? Yeah, when Bob runs off, it's just like do 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 do, and in yeah. the middle of a bit of music, we just cut then to the doctor finding that cassette. Yeah, yeah, and he he does, yeah, he play, plays the Evil Dead uh, recording to us. Yeah, and it's just Peterson rambling about what it was that drove him to suicide. We um, throughout, of course, we do get close-ups of uh, Doctor Norman Eyes. He's just there, just staring at nothing, really, because he's listening to a cassette. Yeah. So I suppose he's got to do something, but we just close up on his eyes. We get a great line during this bit. Would you like to tell us what it is, Ken? How many have wandered innocently into the spider's web? And how many more yet to follow? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. He's got a great voice, actually, Dr. He Peterson. He, he sounds exactly <laughs> like the voiceover in Evil yeah. Dead on he's, the cassette. He's great. If it, if it was the same guy, they just thought, I know he does good voiceovers for cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him in. He told us he was not the killer of his mistress and children. It was Dr. Freudstein! <laughs> It's great. The whole cassette's brilliant. It was blood. Blood. More blood. Yeah. Yeah. I like we get the nice visuals when he starts talking about the blood of the tombstone in the house yeah. filling with blood. Yeah. He's like, the house and the stairs 
Blood on the stairs. Body parts. No, not the children. Yeah. <laughs> you just think, why is he recording all this as he's going? <laughs> His missus is like, shut the fuck up. Shut up, Bang. bro. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you wouldn't dare. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to beat you to it. Yeah. He's like, you do and I'll do the same. Yeah, and we get a when he says about the children, we get like wax <laughs> dummies. No, not the chip. Do you want a sandwich or anything, love? <laughs> um, no, I'm all right. I'll, I'll get one afterwards. I've made you one now. Yeah, well, that... just keep put it on yeah, the yeah, side. Yeah, just put it in the fridge. I'll, I'll have it in a sec. Okay, thank you, thank you. Well, what am I going to do? Do you want me to cover it or For foil? Just use foil or whatever. I'm going to have it in a minute. I'm just finishing off. Not the children! We, we have... oh, oh. <laughs> yes. We haven't got foil. I've got cling film. Yeah, that'll be fine, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah? Do you want any crisps? <laughs> Get me own crisps. I'm a grown man. I'm a doctor. Get me own crisps. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. When he's talking about the, the, the body parts and all that sort of stuff, we get like like wax dummies filled with butcher's offcuts. Mm. Just on the table, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's harrowing. Yeah, it's very, very frightening. Norman's heard enough anyway, and he burns the cassette in a fire lantern that is inexplicably <laughs> alight in a library. <laughs> and why has he done that? What would be yeah, the point? Yeah, exactly. What, what benefit has he got there and you thinking, burning the cassette? And you're thinking, oh, hang on. Because he was here before, though he's not admitting it. There's something going on, isn't there? He knows more than he's letting on. <laughs> uh, yes? I've just put your sandwich <laughs> j- just, just behind the turkey, the big turkey, in the fridge. The Thanksgiving turkey? No, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the other turkey. Yeah, that's fine then, yeah. Thanks. Anyway, back with... <laughs> I like his wife. I like her a lot. <laughs> she made him a fucking sandwich. She knows how much work's getting on top. She doesn't know, obviously, about Sheila getting on top. But uh, <laughs> she wouldn't, make, wouldn't be so quick with a sandwich then, would she? No. No chance. A sandwich of death, maybe. The cyanide sandwich. Uh, back at the house, Anne gives uh, a look of disdain to Bob. Quite right, too. That's what we've been doing throughout the whole film. We head to the shop where Lucy spots Norman driving past. She calls out his name twice, and he carries on driving, ignores her. (laughs) Quite right. (laughs) She shakes her head and walks off. I thought they only had one car. They arrived with one car. He's got it. How the fuck did she get to the shop? Walked. Yeah, because she walks home, doesn't she? What an idiot. With all that shopping. Yeah. You see her. It's uh, we get a really long, slow walk up the driveway with her shopping in arms. I assume maybe she caught a taxi. Uh, you only catch taxi. Lucio Fulci's taxis. <laughs> Hello there, Sue. What's her name? Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lucy. <laughs> He's like, whatever. <laughs> I'm a no good with names. I got a cat in the brain, of course. <laughs> Yeah, fuck it. Who the hell's suit? Anyway, back with Bob and his fucking toy car. Mm-hmm. He loses it when it goes around a corner. Ends up searching for it. And the only place it could have possibly gone is the basement because the door's open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We cut to Anne. She's looking for Bob. And she hears crying down in the cellar. Pathetic crying. Could only be Bob. Yeah, must be Bob. And she heads down there to help him. As she searches around down there, the cellar door shuts, trapping her inside. Oh, no. 
She runs up, starts banging on it, pleading for Bob to let her out. Bob's upstairs, isn't he? He is, yeah, he's just in his room. Yeah, so I don't know what the hell she was hearing, but um, Bob's upstairs, she's banging on the door. We get a slow-mo knife in hand coming towards her. Beautiful hand. Beautiful hand, isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah, she was really good at hand jobs, wasn't she? She was, yeah. yeah. She was the premier she hand job the, artist back, in Back Italy. in the early 80s, yeah. Yeah, if you wanted uh, anyone for a hand job, she was the one you went to. Yeah. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, Bob hears her, but uh takes fucking forever to come and open yeah, the fucking door. Yeah, he really door. is slow, isn't he, to, to come to a rescue. He's doing such stuff as talking to his stuffed monkey, Teddy. Yep, saying, come on, you can come with me and we'll go and help. Yogi, he's called. In about ten minutes. It was a bear, not a monkey, you pathetic piece of shit. Really? Yeah. Oh. He grabs a flashlight and a bright pink toy cowboy revolver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, oh, she's gone down there. Maybe she'll be like, Dr. Freudstein. Yeah. Have you got Bob down here? What else do you need? Yeah. You shouldn't have taken the child. Because, of course, I've helped you every step along the way. Yes, but no, I am mysterious dusky maiden Anne. But no, she gets down there, shits herself. And she's attacked and decapitated. Yeah, you get the massive slashings of the neck, which yeah. uh, I, I did like. Some good neck slashes in this. She gets decapitated before Bob even leaves his room. Yeah, it is really nasty as well, that yeah. neck slashing. He ends up down into the cellar to investigate, and then he hears like a bowling ball. Like She's got the heaviest head known to yeah, man. Yeah, she has, yeah. Bowling ball down the stairs. It's, and it's weird because that's where he comes from. He comes down the stairs, doesn't he, Bob? Yeah. Yeah, and he goes down the stairs, and then the head comes bouncing down the stairs, which means, where the fucking, where's Freudstein? Where's where's whoever's thrown the head? Where was he? He's done the alley-oop, up and over. You think? Landed, hit the wall, and bounced down Uh, the stairs. He's gone for that, has he? Yeah. He's gone for the rebound. Yeah. Nice. And it is, it's Anne's severed head rolling down the stairs. Mm -hmm. He screams. Of course he does, like a woman. Uh, we get a close-up of her head. She's got plastic teeth. Yeah. It's it's the mannequin head, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much. It's the mannequin head with added gore to it, I yeah. think. And added teeth. Yeah. And he runs back up, manages to pull his arm through just in the nick of time because it gets stuck because he's holding the flashlight. Freudstein reaches his arm out to try and grab him. Mm-hmm. Just in time, gets it out of the way. This is where we get the long walk up the driveway. Oh, is it? Lucy with the shopping. Yeah. yeah. To, I didn't write that. I've just just, got to, a, just to pause the uh, all the the terror. I've just got her just arriving, finding Bob cowering in his room. No, she she walks all the way up the driveway with that shopping, and we get to see it. Mm. We get to enjoy that walk with, like, with her, like merengue with the exactly. the walk through the yeah. graveyard. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a good fifteen to twenty second walk up that driveway that we uh, we join her in. And like any good parent, uh, Lucy refuses to believe Bob's story about Anne being killed. He's obviously upset, Mm -hmm. but she just says, you better stop lying, you little fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then punches him in the face eight eight times. Uh, Lucy ends up going down there with Bob. Of course, you'd take your kid again for a second look if there is a second head. He's obviously traumatised. Let's go down and have a look at this decap, decapitatus. Yeah, Uh, but unfortunately, they can't find any trace of Anne, and she bollocks him for scaring her. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get two goofy, glowing eyes peering at... This looks ridiculous, these eyes. Yeah, I'm not sure what the hell. Like cartoon eyes. Yeah. Peering at Bob, you know, like in Snow White, when like (laughs) the eyes peer out. winch. Yes. Uh, the eyes are peering out at Bob from the darkness, and Lucy takes him back upstairs so she can sigh at him. 
and show us that uh, she isn't wearing a bra. Nice. Um, in between that, of course, we cut, do cut back to uh, Doctor, the the Norman, Doctor Norman Boyle. He's gone to a, another cemetery, not near his house. He's dressed like Columbo in this yeah. bit, actually. He's gone to a cemetery away from his house now um, to find the tomb of Dr. Freudstein. Yeah. There's another guy who turns up. He says, what are you doing here? <laughs> he says, I'm looking for this. He said, we're, he said, well, we're closed. And he says, well, I've come a long way. And I thought, that doesn't change anything, does it? Was it uh, fucking Danny Dyer? What are you fighting doing here? <laughs> all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what are you fighting doing here? All right, geezer, what are you doing? All right. Uh, yeah, and uh, and he says, well, I've come a long way. And I thought, that doesn't change the cemetery being closed, though, does it? No. And uh, he points that out and says, uh, he was never buried here. That's just a rumour. We get people here all the time trying to find his tomb. Yeah, you know, because uh, when he says, oh, it's closed, Norman ignores him. And that's where Dr. Freudstein's tomb is and says that I'll find it with or without you. And the caretaker replies, oh, you too. <laughs> Thank nice you. One, Thank nice you. One, yeah. He tells Norman, he says, Dr. Freudstein ain't buried here, silly bollocks. How <laughs> oh, you know? If I had a fucking quid for every time somebody came over here asking for Dr. Freudstein's grave, I'd be a lucky, lucky rich man. You know what I mean, Governor? I'd have a fucking shitload of quids. <laughs> I'd have more quids than I know what to fucking do with. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, should, said, we should do the dubbing on these. We It'd should be great, do. wouldn't it? Yeah. He tells them that regardless of what the official records say, because he's got them in his hand, old Norman, he mm-hmm. says, that's a load of bunk. A load of fucking bunk, isn't it, that, mate? That's a load of fucking bollocks. It ain't worth the paper it's written on, Gav. He says, ain't no Dr. Freudstein buried here. Cool, cool, blimey. And he says the cemetery's closed and uh, they skip off arm in arm. <laughs> yeah, to chim chimney. <laughs> <laughs> Jump into a painting yeah. to get out of there. That's what happens. That's how you get out of these scenes. Uh, Lucy, she tucks Bob into bed, reminds him that little liars like him are usually killed in their sleep. <laughs> I think. Is that what she says? <laughs> That's how I put my kids to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, before I put the padlock on. Yeah. Yeah, and just walk away. <laughs> Singing, why Why can't my child yeah. go to sleep? Why? <laughs> uh, or, or it might have been that she says, oh, I will come back eventually. I yeah. might have misheard it, I'm not sure. Anyway, because he's a little shit, Bob decides to grab his flashlight and head down to the basement again, on his own, to look for Anne. Yeah, he's fully dressed again. Yeah. So he was in his pyjamas, going to bed, yeah, and then when he's in the cellar, he's fully dressed. So has he seriously got fully dressed again to go back into the cellar? Why would he do that? I don't know. But he is. Yeah, I didn't even notice yeah, that. I but, noticed yeah. these things. Bob says, Anne, Mummy says you're not dead, is that true? She's like, nope. <laughs> no, I'm dead, all right. Still fit, though. Still sexy. Yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. Uh, the door closes shut and locks Bob down in the cellar, and we get the glowy eyes again from all different angles, the asthmatic breathing. Bob screams, shrieks in terror. Someone's in here! Lucy, she's alerted to it. She's just walking around the house aimlessly. Yeah. She tries to open the door. The key snaps in the lock again. Oh, Jesus. And then she tries using the knife to try and jimmy it open, yeah. like before. That breaks as well. That snaps yeah. as well. Hell, she is so shit at DIY. And she just panics, just blind panic. Luckily, Norman, he arrives back. 200 miles he's travelled. <laughs> Yeah. Thankfully, we didn't get to see him walk all that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like. Um, there's a. Uh, 
He gets there because there's a shadow, isn't there? There's a shadow, and we just like, <gasps> and it turns around and it's him. And I thought, how slowly <laughs> is he walking into the kitchen? He can hear screaming, and he's just like, I'll just stand here for a little bit and watch, see what's going on. <laughs> and she's like, it's Bob. And he's like, is Bob in there? And she says, yes. And he says, we have to get him out. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. Yes, I believe so. Yes, that's the, that was what I was trying to do. Where's the axe? <laughs> he says, like, you know, they've had one. He says, Bob, keep away from the door. Yeah, step away, Bob. Step back. On the other side, a hand appears and holds Bob's head to the wooden panel of the door. I like this. It's a good yeah, scene. This. I, I'd have done that. Yeah. And Norman puts the axe through the door with the first blow and... Uh, it's inches away from Bob's head. Yeah, you know, you, you know when you say like the special effects in that, surely they are just smashing an axe through a door near a kid's face on this part. Yeah, how else would they be doing that? They wouldn't. They must They're have like, just measured like, this is that. Where he's yeah, gonna they just hit. measured that perfectly and said, "Just hold this kid's head against there, right? Nothing will happen. You yeah. swing that axe with all your might. <laughs> It'll be fine because he'll be on his mark." It's like in Halloween we were talking about where um, Daniel Harris is in the the shoot and like they're literally stabbing a knife through that shoot yeah. towards her. <laughs> and that's, there's nothing about that that's not real. <laughs> no, I suppose with an axe and a kid's face is a little bit risky. Might be, yeah. But then again. It's a risk you're willing to take when Bob's involved. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, Bob, I like how he decides not to call out. He just lets it happen, Bob. Yeah, he's just there. Instead of saying, wait, my head's against the door, he yeah. just doesn't say anything. And lets it's being the held there by Dr. Freudstein. <laughs> by the beautiful-handed Dr. Freudstein. Uh, Norman screams that they need to get out the damn house, and Lucy asks him, why? Who's down there with little Bob? says, Dr. Freudstein. He killed Sheila. That's why Peterson killed himself. He found out the truth. So Peterson killed himself because Sheila was killed by Dr. Freudstein. Yeah. So he left the house, went to the library yeah. to kill himself. On that railing there. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, because he found out the truth. If you're wondering what the truth is. Uh, don't worry, we'll... F- no, we don't, we, we don't know either. No. Nah. One blow chops off Freudstein's pretty little arm anyway. It does, yeah, yeah, because Bob sort of moves a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah. It's very, very easy to cut off that arm. It is. I mean, we've been saying how beautiful the arm is, but goodness me, it's not made of much. Be- beautiful yet fragile, oh, Kenneth. Very, very much so. Poor old Anna. Uh, he staggers away in pain from the door, dragging Bob with him, with his remaining rotten arm, rancid. Some might call it. Uh, Bob just passes out on the floor instantly. Good. And he wakes up and he sees that Freudstein is there and we get to see him for the first time. Yeah, he's just sat on the bed, isn't he? Son's arm. Yeah, he's crying. But you know that crying we heard before we thought was Bob? It's him. He cries like a little bambino. (laughs) And he's got a head, Ken, like I've described it as a half-boiled bollock. I think that's the best way, yeah. Yeah. That was in the uh, screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck is that? I think it was uh, pan out to reveal Freudstein with the head of a half-boiled bollock. Yes. <laughs> He's got one beautiful arm and the rest of him looks like it's been out in the fucking sun for forever. Anyway, quick shot of May screaming at the camera. Yeah, remember May? She's a she's that girl. She's not there, but she's uh, she can sense it all. And then back to Bob. Starts screaming. He's also screaming, yeah. 
because he finds there's more mutilated bodies down there. Yeah, they're all hung up, aren't they? Hung up from like meat hooks. Yeah, and we see surgical equipment. There's like a mortuary slab that's down there covered yeah. in shit. We don't know who any of these uh, bodies are, by the way. No, well, we not see Steve, who's not decomposed despite being down there for nine months. Yeah, probably tits as well. Then in that case, she'll probably have been there. Yeah. Um, Anne, the Anne, rest of Anne, and um, Doctor uh, Mrs. Gilt golden spittle, tits. Spittle shit. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So, and, yeah, okay. So there's four then. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, okay. Then maybe. Maybe it's just them four. We don't know. Finally, the boils, they break through the door, get down into the cellar to rescue Bob. And Norman, um, as they break through, he fills Lucy in on the plot for us. Yeah, which just is to, nice of him. Yeah, you know, he's, he's clearing up all those questions that we had. 100% of those questions are now answered. He tells us that Freustein has discovered a way of keeping himself alive by using hacked-up body parts of his victims to regenerate his blood cells. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What he doesn't say is why he bothered. And the fact that it's not working, he looks like shit. Yeah, looks like he had a, one good arm, and that's like a fucked. testicle. It's a walking testicle in a suit. Yeah, it's, it's. Why is he doing it though? Why is he bothered to keep himself alive? To prolong human life. What a life he's living. Exactly. He just sits in a fucking cellar. Basement crying. Sits in a cellar. <laughs> like a child. Just waiting for someone else to turn up. He doesn't even go out looking for victims. They have to come to his house. They have to come into the fucking basement. Yeah, because he can't get out because they've bloody locked it. So was it... Was it um... What a useless existence he's now living. Yeah. He can't even see, can he? He can't do shit. And he jack shit. He can't Walks do like anything. A cunt. Can't do anything at all. There's <laughs> a song by the Bangles. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Who boarded up the cellar then? Was that Peterson before he went and killed I himself? Don't bloody no. So my wife's been killed down there by a bollock. Yeah, I better I'm, go and kill myself. I'm gonna go and lock him down. Kill myself. Sorry, not his wife. It but, was his mistress. Yeah, but I have recorded some stuff, so someday somebody... <laughs> Hello? Are you having this sandwich or what? <laughs> what are you doing? Are you fighting a decomposing corpse or what? <laughs> I'm not really sandwich going curled up here. I've put a cling film on it, but it's still curling. It's a bloody waste, that's all it is. I cut the crusts off and everything. Birds are enjoying it more than you are. Anyway, Norman, he attacks Freudstein instantly with Quite the axe. Quite right. And Freudstein just smacks it away from him. Yeah, Pathetic yeah. Norman. Freudstein just stands still while he's being stabbed. He comes back at him with a knife and Freudstein just stands there and lets him stab him repeatedly. Inside, it looks like what he's recently eaten is uh, some spaghetti bolognese. Yeah. Or chili con carne because it's <laughs> spilling. <laughs> it's spilling all over the floor. Don't tell me you haven't tried Freudstein's chili. <laughs> Yeah, he was the only person that put up a fight against the Sawyer family's chili, wasn't it? And the yeah. cook-off. Yeah, it but... takes a lot of willies <laughs> to fill Dr. <laughs> Freudstein's chilies. That's on the, the yeah, label. Yeah, I'm not sure you'd buy that, would you? Dick Chili. Oh, great, good name. <laughs> writing writing down. him down, yeah. <laughs> He's always cold. <laughs> <laughs> He's in. Always wears thermal underwear. Not sure what he's in for, but he's in somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be in a pitch. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I put it looks like Nutella and maggots. Yeah, maggots. Maggots turn up. Some maggots. Yeah. Although uh, he's he's wounded, Freudstein, he just carries on the attack. Yeah. 
He's able to uh, just to rip the throat open, isn't he, of uh, Dr. Norman Boyle. Yeah, just kills Norman. Just kills him. He's Instantly. a bloody hero. Yeah. He's the only one who knows what's going on. It's a good job he told everything to uh, Lucy before he got ripped open. Yeah, it's a good job he told us why everyone knows him in the town. Yeah, thank goodness we found that out. Uh, Lucy and Bob, they just watch on in horror as yeah. it happens. as he just dies in front of everyone. Uh, Lucy notices some metal steps leading up to... Uh, it's it's underneath the tombstone, isn't it, that's cracked open? Yes. What would be the point of those steps? Absolutely no point yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> Why on earth are there steps beneath a, like, a concrete tombstone? Who the hell's designed this place? They head up there anyway, uh, trying to open the, the tombstone. The music instantly stops as well, mm-hmm. just to dissipate any tension we might have yep. had. <laughs> Well, and there, then starts there, up again as they is, try and... There is still the uh, incredibly slow walk towards them yes. at the top of the stairs. Yeah, all in silence. Yeah. You can hear the footsteps, and yeah. then the music starts up again when he gets to the foot of the stairs and starts going up after them. And they could have just gone up the other stairs, couldn't they? Could have run round him. Well, they could have walked round him. Yeah. He's could not, have crawled round him. Yeah, he's not that fast, is he? I mean, he's not fast in the slightest, so make any sense. Exactly, yeah. Like The, the only thing that got people killed before is that the door was locked yeah. and he traps them on the yeah, stairs. Yeah, just walk out. Yeah. That's what I mean. What a pathetic existence he's living down there. Why is he, what's he bothering for? Yeah. He's not doing anything, is he? No. He's not, live, not living his best life down there, is he? Hashtag Instagram. <laughs> Hashtag Freudstein. <laughs> 20 million followers. Yeah, he shuffles after them up there anyway. Uh, Lucy, she's trying desperately to shift the, the rocks out the way. Uh, but her ankle's grabbed by Freudstein. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob, he's he's still like above her, and he's still trying to get free. And um, Lucy's pulled down, and her head hits each step on the way down, and this looks shit. Every single step, by, by the count of it, at least twice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how many steps there are. This is like shit. the beginning of Repossessed, where Leslie Nielsen fall. <laughs> yeah. falls down the same stairs. Yeah, it's uh, James, James Woods, I believe it is, isn't it? Plays the priest in that. Not in the, oh, that's in Scary Movie 2, isn't it? Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Here's Leslie Nielsen then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah, falls he down the stairs. Falls loads. down the stairs, yeah. lows and lows, and then just looks up and is about 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like that. She gets her head bounced off many, many steps. But it's like her actual, like, it's the actress doing it, and it just looks so shit. You can tell she's, like, just, like, moving away yeah. from the stairs, so she doesn't hurt, obviously, as you would. It would probably still hurt a little bit. Yeah, It'd be like, an uncomfortable scene. Yeah, but to shoot it and it still looks shit, you might as well have just got a dummy and just dragged it down and shot it from above. That'd be ridiculous. It's all about realism, this film. Uh, she's dead anyway. Yeah, she is, yeah. Did we see? Is that how she died? She just hit her head? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think she, yeah. Yeah, and it just drags her away. How about that? The two parents are fucking dead. Yeah. I'm surprised by that. Anyway, Freudstein, he, he carries on up the stairs after Bob. Bob's trying to get his massive head through that tiny little hole, isn't he? In yeah. The, in the, uh... He needs to take the helmet off. He does, yeah. He ain't getting that through there. No. The fucking size of that kid's head. No chance. And No, as he's no tra- wonder his mum was upset about everything. He was ripped from arsehole to appetite <laughs> when he was born <laughs> with that bloody helmet on. <laughs> um, ripped asunder. As Freudstein's about to grab his leg and, um, you know, kill him, in some horrific way. Hopefully. He's dragged upwards through the tombstone and out of Freudstein's reach. Yeah. And we see it was uh, May. May, the little girl. The little girl, she's standing there with him. It's like, hi, May. And she's like, hi, Bob. And then they just look <laughs> hi, at each Bob. other for a bit. 
And with May is the mother figure you were speaking about. Mm-hmm. This turns out to be Mary Freudstein. Yes, the one who's got the grave. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. Dr. Freudstein's wife. Oh, wow, that explains nothing. She tells May that it's time to go home and tells her that other people will no doubt drop in for her husband's continuing research for eternal life. Yeah. Of course, if they don't, surely he's dying. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. It all counts on the uh, the agency constantly. Yeah. Harold, it is now. We all count on bloody Harold. Yeah. Because yeah, Mrs. Spitt- Spittleshit's dead. Yeah. So it's only Harold that's uh, that can feed Freudstein. Yeah. And he's too tired. He's asleep. Too, he's too tired to even look, open a drawer. Mrs. Freudstein, anyway, she leads May and Bob away by the hand from the house. Down the, the driveway. Up the bloody garden path. We get one last sweeping shot of the house. And a quote from Henry James, which was actually just made up by Fulci. It was an actual quote. that says, No one will ever know whether children are monsters or monsters are children. What the fuck does that mean? I've actually written down. It says, Nessuno sapra messie bambuno sono dei mostri. Oh, we must on no bambino. Nice. Yeah, I didn't have it in English. I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't even know what it meant. I guessed what it meant. But yeah. What so does I, it I, mean? Well, probably what you said, isn't it? Some shit. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Yeah. And that's the end of it. The... Anyway, Henry James is either. So he wrote. Um... I thought it was Sid James. From the cat. That's what I thought. He wrote, um, was it Turning of the Screw? The Innocence. The Innocence. Yeah, the Innocence. Nah. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of the bus. Is Bob dead? Like, she took him to, to death. What, to, the, to the afterlife? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's that's, going on. I've got some questions for you, Ken. Okay, can you answer right, these yeah, for yeah, me? Of course I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck was all that about Norman giving the guilty looks when he's asked if he's been there before with his daughter? Well, um, that was explained by him just being a naturally guilty man. Right. And potentially, Anne, he's fallen for her charms. Mm. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah, when he was looking through handjob magazines. Yeah. Saw her, rang the number, invited out, went there, pretended it never happened. It makes sense. His wife's a fucking nutcase, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. Another one for you. Why was Anne opening the basement and cleaning up the blood only to wander down there herself looking for Bob and get killed? Um, because she was... Uh, she was cleaning the fucking house, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, it's her job, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she thought, that's a bit weird. Look at all this blood. That's yeah. annoying. Got Better to clean, clean that up. up. Yeah. Clean it They'll up, blame yeah. me. Yeah. And then she thought, I bet the cleaning stuff's in the basement. Right, yeah. So that would be why she was looking in it. Last but not least, Ken, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what made Daniel Douglas so precious? <laughs> the fact that he comes in on his day off, just to have a look round and, and masturbate under a desk. That's nice. I, I think that's, that's what it is. Thank you. If you have any questions about this film, feel free to email us, badmoviecallgmail.com. I know everything about this film. I'll explain it all to you. It's easy. Simple as that. Got a body count for you, Ken? Yep. Do you know how many you want to have a uh, guess? Seven. Six, including the bat. Fuck. Four women, one man, one bat. One one bat. <laughs> <laughs> not the one bat. No, Freudstein. Yeah, the girl at the beginning, the bat. We're we not including the two uh, that we just accept. Stevenson. No, no. Not okay. Kill, killed and off Sheila. screen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Girl at the beginning, bat, Mrs. Gittleson, and the babysitter, 
Norman and Lucy. Mm-hmm. All humans killed by Freud's team, back killed by Norman. Son of a bitch. He got what he deserved. So what do you think then, Ken? Did you like it after a rewatch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I still like it. Still good, great fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah, it, it's it's more ridiculous than ever now. You watch it again now, you just think, Jesus, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But yeah, brilliant. Really good fun. Yeah. Yeah, always, always liked it. Got absolutely nothing to do with the other two Gates of Hell trilogy members who actually discuss the Gates of Hell a lot. Yeah. This doesn't even mention it. No. No, nothing to do with it whatsoever. No idea why it's one of those three. It has no plot. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> just people being killed in a cellar. Yeah. They've got no business to be in in the first place. Everyone's insane. Yeah. Lots of stuff that you're never going to get explained. Lots of stuff that you think, oh, okay, I'm looking forward to that being... Oh, no, it's not going to get cleared up, no. Creepy Italian kid, but at least it's an actual kid this time. <laughs> yeah, but he has apologised, so, you know, we'll have to let that slide. I didn't for many years, so well done to Arrow for yes. actually getting him to apologise for that. Yeah, nothing's ever answered. And uh, decent yeah, gore. Just basically no point behind it, except just another gory classic. Yeah, I I, I really enjoy it. I, I like it. Top notch. I guess to end the episode, we have to decide whether this gets inducted into the bad movie cult. Ken, what are you, what are you saying to me? <sighs> Is this a bad movie? Should it be alongside well, the likes of bees? <laughs> well, yes, it is bad, isn't it? But... Of its time, it probably wasn't that bad. You watch it now, in Italian, maybe it's really good. Maybe for the home audience, this was really, really good. You watch it dubbed, maybe not. Not definitely not. But I don't know. It, back in 81, I bet this was brilliant. I bet this terrified people. I bet it really did. I bet this was absolutely horrific for the uh, the viewers back in 81. Nowadays, I laugh my way through this. It's enjoyable. I mean, I like it. I like this film. I think it's really good fun. But it is pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a criteria we're going to have to meet. That's that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, you'll say... And that is for that reason, I'm saying it isn't, because I think of its time, it probably wasn't. And if there is a tiebreaker... I mean, what happens here... What happens here, guys, is that if, if we both don't agree, we throw it over to our third special guest, Bad Movie Court member, who then decides for us... So Ken's saying it is bad. I'm saying no. I think it's of its time. The The effects are very good. The dubbing is horrific, which probably doesn't help it. We're throwing it over to our special guest, Lucio Fulci. Lucio, what are you saying to us? It's your own film. Are you, uh, are you putting it in the cult or are you saving it for another day? Well, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> It's me, Lucio Fulci. <laughs> As you already said. Uh, no, this is not a bad film. This is one of my best. Oh, looks alone. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. Thank you, Lucio, for confirming that, yes, it hey, is... It's a no problem. Fuck it. It is indeed not being inducted into the bad movie call. It stays out. Uh, if you agree, let us know. Yes? Are we ending this podcast episode or what? 
Yeah, I'm just having a sandwich. I made my own. <laughs> Brought me back lunch. <laughs> well, I guess we better bring this episode of the podcast to a close before Mrs. Freudstein comes down and murders us both. Freudstein! So what did you think to this week's episode? What did you think of this week's film? Let us know the email address, badmoviecult at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you want to discuss this week's episode with other cult members, you can. You just need to search for the Bad Movie Cult discussion group on Facebook. All links will be available in the show notes. If you enjoyed the podcast and are wondering how to support us, we ask that you please like, follow, or subscribe to us on whatever platform it is that you listen to us on. And if you could please, please, for the love of God, leave us a rating or review. It's a massive help in getting us found by new listeners. You can find all previous episodes as well as written reviews of films not covered on the podcast on our website. That's www.badmoviecult.com. Join us again next week where we'll be back with another movie review, deep dive and film pitch right here on the Bad Movie Cult podcast. The podcast by the cemetery. See you later, Ken. Goodbye. Dominic Lawton. Ken Be Wild. Welcome to the Bad Movie Cult. No wonder his mum was upset about everything. He was ripped from arsehole to appetite when he was born with that bloody helmet on.